We're in the first week this morning of a, of a series that we're calling Swore to True. And it's kind of a continuation of the one that we finished up a couple weeks ago where we're looking at, looking at the, the twisted truths of, of things that, uh, that, are, that are kind of true, but Satan comes in and turns them around just a little bit so they look kind of, kind of true, but they're kind of false, and they ultimately end up messing up our life. But in this new series, what we're going to do is we're going to dig a little deeper and we're going to expand on some things too that, uh, that we talked about in that previous series. Before we do that, here's the game that I promised you. And this will be group participation. And it's going to be true, true or false. And so it's got a 50-50 chance. All right. So, so don't sit there and and be pansies, you know, and say, I'm not going to play, I'm not going to raise my hand. Okay, I'm, I'll point you out if you're not raising your hand. Okay. So here's, here, where are you going? <laughs> so so here's, here's what we're going to do. Is I, I'm going to make a statement, and then it's either true or false. And if it's true, I'll ask you, you raise your hand. And if it's false, I'll ask you, and you'll raise your hand for that. And we'll kind of kind of vote that way. All right? And like I said, don't be shy. All right? Participate in this game. First statement. Here's, here, here's the first statement. The Bible is the most shoplifted book in the world. The Bible is the most shoplifted book in the world. Is it true or false? How many think that that would be true? All right. Think the truths have it? How many would think it's false? Okay. A few of you think that? All right. The answer is true. The Bible is the most shoplifted book in the world. So I guess that's kind of kind of good, kind of kind of kind of weird. So it's it's shoplifted. Second statement. A kiss lasting one minute can burn a hundred calories. No, that's how you're thinking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you will get home and say, honey, I need to burn some calories. That's... So how many of you would say, that's the best news I've ever heard, that that's true? How many of you say true? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how many of you say false? Okay, the, the answer is false. <laughs> All right, last statement, or just, just three questions. Last statement. A cat has 25 muscles in each ear. Cat has 25 muscles in each ear. So how many of you say that's true? That's about a little more than half. Well, how many would say false? Okay, the trues have it. The answer is, who really gives a rip? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a cat, so who cares? Our topic for today is, what is truth? <laughs> What's the real answer? Who cares? <laughs> That's the answer. I doubt they have that many muscles in there. Topic for today is what is truth, and it's actually a statement or a question that is taken from a conversation that, that Jesus was having with Pontius Pilate when Pilate was trying to determine what to do with Jesus. Jesus had been arrested. 
the night before his execution. He's standing in front of Pilate. Pilate's trying to figure out what to do with him. He's trying to figure out what, what to charge him with. And this whole conversation, it can be found in John chapter 18. But we're just going to look at a couple verses out of this, out of this chapter. We're going to start at verse 37. And it says this. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world, and then here's the reason right here. Why did he come? He said, It is to testify to the truth. Okay, and then, then he makes a very interesting statement here. He says, Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate, he asks the age old question. He says, What is truth? What is truth? Now, we don't know if he was being sincere or if he was being sarcastic. We don't know that. But we do know that this is a very important question because what we believe, it affects our lives so much. It affects so much about our lives. And the reason why it's so important is because at the very foundational level of this, on your listening guide, what you believe determines how you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. And so it, whatever you believe, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect how you behave relationally. It's going to affect how you, how you behave materially or financially. It determines how you, how you behave morally. And it's going to determine how you, how you react spiritually too, which has a big effect on what happens to you after this life. So what you believe that determines how you behave. And it's, it's not just consciously, but it is also something that is subconscious. Because what we believe kind of subconsciously is also going to affect our behavior. Let me give you an example of that. One time, it's been, been a few years ago, our girls were, were much younger at the time. And we came home, we pulled into the garage, and our door going from the garage into what was the kitchen at the time, was standing wide open. And Emma and I, we both looked at each other and we're like, you know, this isn't right. You know, we were pretty sure we shut that door when we, when we left, but now it's standing wide open, so we don't know what's going on. And so, you know, being, being the, the man of the family, I sent Emma in to check things out. No, actually, I didn't do that. But what I did is I went and I, I grabbed a shovel, which was the longest, sharpest thing that I could find in the garage. It was before firearms were, you know, in my in my life. But I went in and then I, I checked out the checked out the house. You know, each room, each closet. I cleared the house. Nothing was there. Okay, but the entire time my heart was beating fast. You know, I was I was a little a little shaky. You know, a little nervous, not knowing what was going to happen because I believed something was in there. I, be, I believed that someone was in there. I believed it as if it was true, but it was not true. It was affecting me as if it was true, but it was untrue. Now, why did Jesus come? He came to testify to the truth. But we have an enemy in our life who is opposed to the truth. The Bible calls him Satan. And among other things, he's the father of lies. Jesus came to represent the truth. Satan comes to represent the lies. Okay, he is the father of lies. And in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus, he's speaking of the, of the devil here. And he says of him, he says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. 
when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus came to testify to the truth. Satan came as a father of lies. Now Satan's very smart. Okay, he, he's, he's pretty smart. He's not going to tell you something that is so crazy that you just look at it and say, that is just stupid. There's no way that can be true. Now he's, he's much more conniving than that. Now he, he's so much better than that because he is a counterfeiter. He is a master counterfeiter. And what he's going to do is he's going to give you something that kind of looks true and kind of feels true and kind of sounds true. But he knows, and this is very important, he knows that if he can just take you just the slightest little bit off of the truth, that over the course of the lifetime, you're going to end up very far away from the truth. You're going to wake up one day and look, say, how did I get this far away? That's how he works. He's been doing this for a very long time, and he's especially doing it even now, today in our culture and in our society. What he wants to do is he wants us to exchange the truth of God for a lie. And we can see the results of this in Romans chapter 1. And you can, I encourage you to read the whole chapter when you, when you get home today. We're just going to look at three verses out of this chapter. Just kind of want to hit the high points. We'll start with verse 18. It says there, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who do what? Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now verse 22 says, Although they claim to be wise, and we see that today, don't we? We see this all over, all over the place. We're enlightened. We're smart. You know, we, we know more than our parents. We know more than the past generations. We have evolved. You know, we have become enlightened. You know, life's different today. It's not the same. We see it, we see it today. It says, although they claim to be wise, what happens? They became fools. And so what did they do? Verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served created things rather, rather than the Creator who is forever praised Amen. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Sounds true. Feels true. Sort of true. But it's a lie. Now what we're going to do the next few weeks during this series is we're going to talk about one of the greatest problems. And this is, this is, this is very, very timely. We're going to talk about one of the biggest problems that our generation today faces. And no, it's not drugs. No, it's not the misuse of sex. No, it's not arrogance. It's not behavioral elitism. It's not any of those things, which those are all bad, by the way, but those things are symptoms. Those things are symptoms of what we're going to be talking about, of, of a bigger problem. Now... I've never had anybody throw rocks at me. <laughs> that, that's a first. <laughs> now, 
Oh, my. Okay, where were we? Okay. All those things... All those things are just symptoms of a, of a, of a bigger problem. Now... Chances are, this, this might be when the rocks really come out. <laughs> during this series, today and during this series as we go through this, chances are I'm going to offend you. I'll just be right up front. I'll probably end up offending you. Regardless of what side of the fence you're on, I'll probably offend you. And that's okay. I'm an equal opportunity offender. Okay? So that's all right. But I'm here to tell you, that as long as I am here and as long as I am in this position, I will teach the Word of God. I will not water it down whatsoever to appeal to people or to appeal to culture or to not offend. Okay, I will not let culture affect my views of God's Word. Alright? Our current generation... Our current generation is operating under a false belief system. And this is, this is very important because our spiritual enemy, you know, the, the, the father of lies, the guy, that, the guy that's really good at lying, he's got two great weapons. Now we're going to kind of get into some deep stuff, and this is a little different than what we normally do, but it's important, very important, it's kind of, kind of timely. And I usually try not to use words this, this big, but you know, we're going to use a couple big words here today because these are affecting us. And... Satan, he's got a couple different weapons, very effective weapons that he's using today. And the first one on your listening guide is the weapon of relativism. It's a weapon of relativism. And what this is, as it says there, it's the assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. That's what relative, relativism is. What it means is truth is evolving. Okay, truth is not constant. What used to be true is now no longer true. Okay? Now, for example, just a few short years ago, homosexuality was viewed as a sin. Now you see it everywhere. Even Christians. You know, I've heard Christians say, you know, when, when we were young, homosexuality was wrong, but we know today that it is not wrong anymore. Now, the point of that example is to not make a case for or against homosexuality as much as it is to show that here is a belief. Here is a belief system of many Christians and many Christian denominations, a belief that used to be wrong you know, so many years ago, saying this, this lifestyle was wrong so many years ago, but now it is not wrong. You can see how it has kind of evolved. You know, my parents people of that generation, they would say there's absolute truth. No question about it. There is an absolute truth. Most of the millennials, most of the generation Y or the generation X, you know, they would say, a lot of them would say, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Because that's the mindset they have been raised in. Or they have evolved. Now they have become enlightened. They're, they're much smarter than anybody else now. Now if you want to get real technical about this, about this phenomenon, it's called the Hegelian method. And what this principle says, I don't really necessarily need to know the name as much as what the principle says, is that whenever a truth collides with an opposing truth, with an opposing thought, there's a fusion. Okay, and the two become one. 
So whenever there's a truth that meets an oppositional thought, it creates a new truth. Okay, because truth is not constant. That's what, that's what they believe. For example, in the 1950s, back in happy days time, you would agree that marriage was a sacred institution. You would agree that it was a sacred institution. If you got divorced back then in the 1950s, it was taboo. You just didn't do that back then because marriage was holy. It's kind of changed. Now, is there anybody here that was around in the 60s? Okay. Now, chances are... <laughs> I was born in the 60s, so... So, uh, I've, I've read that if you were alive during the 60s, you don't remember it because everybody was stoned during that time. So, you know, I, don't, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, that's just, that's just, what, that's just what, what I've heard. But in the 60s, you know, as, you, as you look back... At it, it was free sex. Okay, it was the, it was the, the free love movement. It was it was a hippies movement. So in the fifties, you have marriage is sacred, marriage is important. In the sixties, you have you know sex is what is important. You don't have to get married. You get these two things. These two things collide. Then there's a new truth that has evolved from that, which is hey, marriage doesn't really matter. I mean, you can, you can get married, but if you're not happy, you don't stay married, so why get married in the first place? Now, why, why not, why not just, just live together? Why not just you know, sleep around with, with anybody? It's because truth is not constant. That's what they believe. It evolves. And that's relativism. That's what relativism is. Satan's second weapon on your listening guide is subjectivism. And these two go right hand in hand. Subjectivism is this. It's the belief that I have the right to determine what is right and wrong without submitting my judgment to an outside authority, without submitting that to you know, anybody else outside of myself. That is subjectivism. Since there is no absolute truth, you cannot impose your truth on me. You cannot say anything like that. I am the source of truth. Okay, that, that's what they think. I am the source of truth. I'll determine if my actions are right. I'll determine if my actions are wrong based on how I feel. Because if it feels good, then it must be true. As long as it makes me happy, that's all that matters. As long as I'm sincere, it doesn't matter what I believe. As long as I don't hurt anybody, it doesn't matter what I do. Now, those statements, you know, those part of those beliefs... A part of this belief system, they are completely and absolutely wrong. Okay? They may feel right. They may sound right. It's appealing to believe those things, no, to believe those false beliefs. But we've got to be careful because what we believe affects how we behave. And as I said just a few moments ago, even if we take just a minor step off of the truth, Someday we're going to wake up and we're going to be very, very far away from that truth. So we've got to be careful about that. These are very, very, very effective weapons of our spiritual enemy. There's no truth. Alright? And since there's no truth, I get to determine what's right for me. We see that, don't we? See that all around us. 
And it's very, very dangerous. Now, if that wasn't already challenging enough to kind of grasp and follow along with and accept that, here's where it gets real challenging. Okay, this is where it's going to get real challenging because if you have, if you've bought into that idea or you've been raised with, uh, with that, that, that mindset there, whenever somebody comes to you and says, okay, here's the truth, you have two responses towards that person. You're either going to think they're arrogant or you're going to think that they're very dangerous. And that puts me personally in a very awkward situation as somebody who tries to proclaim truth you know, on, on a weekly basis. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I just kind of want us to walk through this together, kind of go on a journey together. And let's just start out with the assumption here as, as we go through this that there is such a thing as absolute truth. I think most of us here would agree that there probably is an absolute truth because when you're a thinking person, you have to agree that there is absolute truth because to make the statement that there is no absolute truth, you have just made a statement that has totally blown up everything that you believe because you've made an absolute true statement it's to say there's no absolute truth. Does that make sense? So you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth. So logically, most of the time, when you get through all the noise, you know, and all the, all the, all the stuff there, most people, if they're honest with themselves, they would say that there's an absolute truth. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's assume that a seeker of the truth, which as a church here, we, you know, we like to try to make things, things available and the truth available to people, Somebody that's truly trying to find the truth, let's just assume they can find that. And that they can actually find the truth. When you find the truth, that truth will either benefit you or it will hurt you. Okay, it will do one, one of two things. But because you've benefited, because you've benefited from it, or because you've experienced pain, from finding out the truth, neither one of those makes you arrogant or dangerous. Okay, because you're you're learning, you're on this this journey. You know, you're you're just learning these things as you go. And then when you learn this, because you want to be a good steward of the truth, you want to expose others to that truth for their benefit. Okay? Maybe they'll even save them from some of the pain that you had to go through in finding that truth. So it's actually a very loving thing to share that truth with people. Does that make sense? You guys following along with all that? Okay. So it is possible. And it's possible to do this. Here's another example for you. Last year, Emma and I were down at her parents' house and down in Texas. And her brother drove up from Austin, about an hour. It's about an hour away, and about an hour up to, to her parents' house. And he come walking in with this cute little black dog. Very cute little black dog. He said he found this cute little black dog along the highway, and that it needed a new home. Okay, I said no. <laughs> it wasn't a cat. It wasn't a cat. I said no. And Emma looked at me. And you know the look. Okay, she, she looked at me. The next day, 
he brought the dog back. I said no. Emma looked at me. (laughs) The next day, he brings this little cute little black dog back. And since we were leaving soon and I was tired of getting that look, I finally caved and said yes. Okay, now I said yes for a couple reasons. Dog's original owners could not be found. Okay, her brother had uh, taken the dog to the vet, checked for the microchip, all that stuff, checked out his health, and everything seemed to check out, seemed to check out fine. And he also said, which just kind of upsets me when I think about it, that it wasn't in the puppy stage. Okay, and that he appeared to be potty trained because they had no problem whatsoever with this dog. <laughs> that was a huge deal to me, okay, because I did not want a puppy. All right? And add on top to that, that Emma's mom said she would give us money to pay to get the dog fixed. And so I finally broke and I said yes to this free, air quotes, dog. Now he rode the 15 hours back with us from Texas back up to here just fine. Okay, we hardly even knew he was, he was there in the vehicle with us. But long story short, in case you haven't figured it out yet, this free dog was still a puppy, was definitely not in the least bit potty trained, not, not at all. This free dog ruined not one, but two of our area rugs, chewed a hole in our wall, <laughs> a hole in our wall. Okay, just picture that and chewed a hole in one of the nicest couches that we have ever owned in 25 years of our marriage. This free dog ended up costing us quite a bit. Now as a steward of truth, you want others to experience the same truth that you know that will impact their lives in a positive way. My truth to you about that story is there's no such thing as a free dog. Don't believe it. So what I want to do is I want to make a statement of truth. I want to make a statement of truth. And now again, if I if you've been raised in this in this certain mindset, when I make when I make this statement, immediately your walls are gonna go up and you're gonna think, you know, I'm not gonna listen to that or I'm not I'm not going to believe that. But don't do that, okay? Let's just go on this journey together. As, as we talk about this stuff here today, and let's just see what can happen as, as we walk through this. What is truth? That's our topic. What is truth? Now, in your listening guide, truth is not a what, but a who. It's not a what, but a who. It's not a philosophy that somebody teaches you in school, it's not a mindset. It's not an idea. It's not a statement. Okay, it's not something that you learn from a book. It's not a what, but it is a who. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. Now imagine if Jesus' claim was true, which I happen to believe it's true, when he says this in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus said, I am the truth. 
And, you know, he's saying, I am God in flesh. All right? I am the truth. I represent the truth. And John, he says earlier on in his book, in John chapter 1, he says this. We'll read verses 1 through 2, and then verse 14. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word means Jesus. Okay, the Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God is truth. Okay, God is truth. Truth became flesh in the person of Jesus. Jesus lived among us. And Jesus came full of grace and truth. He came full of truth and grace. Now why is it? Let's be honest with ourselves. Why is it the, the, the most people, if they reject that statement, why, why would they reject that statement that Jesus is truth? Okay, this is where we're going to step on some toes, mine included, here this morning. People would reject that statement that He is, is the truth that we read earlier in John chapter 14. They reject that, but it's not because of the life Jesus lived. Okay, it's not because of Jesus Himself. Because if you read about Jesus' life, which I encourage you to do that, you know, you read about His life, you can look at it. You can learn from that. It, you can see that He was you know, a pretty good person. You know, even somebody that, that would hate Christianity, if they've got any sense whatsoever of right and wrong, they would look at the life of Jesus and they would say, He lived a really good life. He lived a really giving life. I mean, he was full of love, and he was generous, and he was compassionate, and he cared for those people. He, he cared for the poor. He embraced the outcast. He, he took in those people that others had rejected. And he was wise. I mean, even if you hate Christianity, you have to look at the life of Jesus and say, man, he was pretty cool. Now, he was a pretty cool guy. So, when you reject the statement that Jesus is, Jesus is truth, when, when, when you reject that, you're not rejecting the fact so much that Jesus is truth as much as you're rejecting the people representing Jesus. The Christians who have represented Jesus. And you know what? To be honest with you, i got no defense for that. Because truthfully, when you look at the lives of Christians and compare that to the life of Jesus, there's no comparison. There's no comparison there. We as Christians, we are embarrassingly hypocritical. You know, we are horribly judgmental. Told you I'd step on some toes. Alright? If you look at the way that Jesus lived, and you look at the way we live, you know, you compare those two things, we just don't get it, do we? We just don't get it very often. And so what happens so often times is people 
instinctively, people out there that don't know Jesus yet, they instinctively reject Jesus because we have been representing Him with, it's all about truth, and very little grace. Jesus came with grace and truth. He came with both of those. And what we think a lot of times is, if you don't believe the way I believe, then you're all just going to hell. If you don't look the way that I look like, then you're just going to hell. And so we key in on the, the part of truth with very little grace. And when we do that, that, that leads to legalism. And it, it leads to judgmentalism. Neither one, very healthy. But the flip side of that, okay, let's talk about the other side. There's a mindset of the world today and the mindset of many what we might call cultural Christians and that's relativism and subjectivism and that is what is all about grace with no truth. Okay, we see that today. It's all about acceptance with no truth. Hey man, whatever's cool with you, well, that's fine with me. You, know, you can do whatever you want to do. It's no skin off my back. I don't care. I mean, as long as you're not hurting anybody, it's fine with me. You know, as long as you're not hurting me, I don't care. As long as you're sincere, you know, that's all that matters. When that happens, it becomes all about tolerance. Okay, because then it's all grace and no truth. Well, I want you to check something out. What did Jesus come with? He came with grace and truth. When you find Him, when you truly live for Him, you will experience grace and you will experience truth. He is life-changing. So here's, here's what you know, we'd say about this. If you're a skeptic, you know, open up your mind, open up the Bible, read, find the New Testament, read the first four books of the New Testament, you know, start with there, it talks about the, the life of Jesus, and I would encourage you, you know, start with John, that's the fourth book in the, in the New Testament, start with that, just read that entire book there, and look at Jesus, and learn about His life, and look at His life, and ask yourself, and even you know, if you're already a Jesus follower, it might be a good refresher for you to do this too. Kind of remind you what, it, what it's all about. Read, look at the life of Jesus, and ask yourself, is He really the truth? No, is He the truth? And then when you do that, I believe the second thing will happen, the second thing on your listening guide will happen, and that is the truth can set you free. It will set you absolutely, completely free. John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth. And the truth in this context, it means Jesus and His teachings. It says, When you know that, the truth will set you free. So what does the truth set you free from? It sets you free from any belief that might be eh, just sort of true. You know, just, just kind of true. 
It'll set you free from any false belief that takes you away from honoring God with your life. You know, we can all use a little bit of help on that. Now, any sort of truth. Truth will set you free. And let me just tell you this. I can't convince you of that. I can't sit up here, you know, or stand up here and there's not any amount of words that I can say that will convince you of that, that He will set you free. You have to find that out for yourself. You know, I can only tell you and hope that He'll set you free from living for the things of this world. He'll set you free from the emptiness that you have in your life, the ache that you might feel there in your life. He'll set you free from the consequences of your sin as you stand before God. He will set you free and bring you into a relationship with God. Jesus is the truth, and the truth will set you free. You seek Him. Maybe you need to re-seek Him. But you seek Him, and you will find Him. He is the truth. The truth has a name. Its name is Jesus, and He will set you free. Now, if there's any way for us to be made right with God, any other way, then Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection would not have been necessary. Now, there's no question that He lived. Okay, Historians out there, you know, they don't debate the existence of Jesus, that, that He actually lived. There's no question. God, the Bible tells us, God raised Him from the dead. Now, obviously, personally, we weren't there. Okay, we can't prove that this actually happened, but here's what we know. We know the historians, they verify the facts that the, all His disciples, they were all willing to die for the belief that Jesus rose up from the grave, that He was alive. They all died a martyr's death. A horrible death. Now, they were all murdered except for one, and he died in exile of old age you know, for his belief. So they all died. Who would die for a lie? Who would die for a lie? They saw the truth. Okay, they know the truth. And so, when you know the truth, when you see the truth, it demands our whole life. It demands that. I look at it by faith. Say, so I look at it intellectually, and I see the truth. Okay, the truth is there. Now, the things of the world are going to pass away because they don't last. They're temporary. They're not going to be here forever. Jesus, He is what lasts. Therefore, I encourage you to say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you. There might be some of you in here that might need to say that again. Now rededicate your life to Him. Now I want to ask you a couple questions before we close here. First one is this. How many of you know somebody who's living underneath these relativistic viewpoints that we talked about, that they, they see no absolutes, they see no consequences of their beliefs, and you know that it's actually going to end up hurting them. You know somebody like that. Okay. 
Second question. How many of you see this relativism and subjectivism in your own life? There's a few honest ones out there. Now, it's hard to answer that one, isn't it? Because when it comes to our, I mean, we can see it out there. Ooh, that's evil. Look at those evil people. When it comes to ourselves, we're blind. We're blind when it, when it comes to ourselves a lot of times. We're blinded by our spiritual enemy because he takes what is false, mixes it up a little bit, so that it appears true. We can't see those lies that we're believing because we're believing things that are sort of true. Now, over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to expose some of these common and dangerous beliefs that are sort of true. So I encourage you to come back, take part in, in this. And like I said, this you know, today was challenging. This whole series is going to be challenging. And even though it's summertime, you know, we're smack dab in the summer and the summer slump, you know, hits churches all over, we're not slowing down at all. Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep on going and we're gonna keep on teaching the truth and throwing challenges out there every week. Now this moment we'll have a time of communion. And we do this every Sunday here at Real Life and you know, we, we believe what the Bible tells us, that Jesus, He died for us, for our forgiveness. It doesn't stop there. He rose again to give us new life in, in God, to restore our relationship with Him, to enable that relationship with Him, and to give us power to live life. So we take communion or the Lord's Supper here each week at Real Life, and, and it represents His body that He willingly gave on the cross for us and the, the juice represents his blood that so, he so freely and lovingly offered on our behalf. And so you don't have to be a partner or a regular tender here. If you stepped across the line and made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you're more than welcome to take part in communion as it goes, as it's passed in front of you. And you can just take it as it goes by and you have a couple minutes to take it on your own time. So use this as a opportunity to commune with Jesus to talk with him, see if there's any subjectivism, relativism that you need to root out of your life so you can truly live for him and truly represent him in this world. All right, let's pray.